Trump flips the script. CNN explodes. Five things you need to know about COVID-19. Here we go. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Together, we will make America great again. This is the Matt and Jan Show. Welcome back to the Matt and Chan Show, where we make magic happen. We got a great show up ahead. We got five important things you didn't know about from this past week. Chandler, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be doing the show with you. As always, um, you know, we're going to bring the people the facts and the truth. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. But first, yeah, how, how have you been doing this week? Um, it's been a busy week. School's starting to hit. Like, I have five essays due within the next two and a half weeks. I had a Spanish test that I was like, I don't know about the Spanish stuff, especially when a lot of the assignments are stacking up. And I was doing my Spanish test and I was like, I don't know. I'm like, it's different doing it online versus in person. In person, you can hear it. You're like repeating it. You're kind of forced to like participate in class. You just got to get overall understanding. But since that's been taken away, I've been really trying to learn it online. And it's a, it's a different process for sure. How are you doing, Jan? Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that. And yeah, projects stacking up everything. So I had a, a major presentation for one class on Wednesday, uh, a, another big assignment I turned in this Wednesday, uh, a big presentation later today on some of the research that I did this semester. Uh, we looked at sleep and VO2 max in runners. And we actually had some significant results. So uh, really excited about that. If anybody out there is wondering how they can run faster, get more sleep. That's what we found. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I feel like I've been getting plenty of that. But even at the same time, I don't know. For me, I don't know if this is the same for you. But when you have more time in your day, I feel like it's harder to do things because you don't have a time constraint. So you're like, oh, yeah, before you were doing an assignment, you were like, okay, I got an hour to do it, hour and a half before it's due, before my next class. <laughs> That's taken away now. So the big challenge now is can I do this assignment before it's due and get it done early and get on top of it before it actually stacks up? Yeah, that's really hard. I had a good conversation about some of the different changes we're going through with uh, one of my friends who's a sports psychologist. And like, it's a hard, it's hard to adjust to like this lack of structure in our day to day lives. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's something you have to like impose your own schedule. Because yeah, if you say, oh, today, at some point, I'm going to write this paper, the paper doesn't get written uh, or, or waits until the very end of the day to get written. Uh, where, like you said, if you had, like, I only have this hour to work on this, this project, you're going to work on it for that whole hour. So, yeah, still getting used to that. Um, I'm glad we only have two more weeks of class after this and then finals. So um, we're getting through it. Yeah, I know my papers are – I'm working one on Israel-Palestine relations. That one I just got done this week or at least got the first draft done. So then I got another draft and, and just, like, looking at, like, why the U.S. provides aid to Israel and all this conflict that's happened in the past 70 years since the creation of Israel. So that's been an interesting topic. I know PragerU has a great series about Israel. I'll just give a quick shout-out to Dennis Prager. And just some other assignments. I got to do one on water. Um, in California and the Delta smelt problem and all that. I just got that one and been working on that presentation for the final. And then I got other papers that are coming along. I know there's so much stuff, international relations. It stacks up, but I know I'm ready to tackle it and get the semester over with. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, why don't we jump into the news cycle from this week? It was a great week. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of things went on. I mean, obviously, we're still in the midst of the pandemic, so there's there's plenty to be uh, to to still be concerned about. But I feel like we're starting to uh, talk more about how to get out of this, and President Trump is is making uh, making moves himself. So yeah, let's uh, get into the week. So five things you need to know from this past week. Monday, Trump comes out. He sends the media into panic. He hits a home run, and and CNN had a complete meltdown this week. And I got the sound clip just from his beginning of his press conference on Monday. And here it is, sound clip number one. Oh, let me see. Make sure we get this loaded correctly. All right. But, yeah, he comes out Monday, and... And the press is stunned. He comes out. The press is saying he's, he's spreading pro- propaganda. He comes out, and, and people are freaking out. Like, the media's like, what do we do? Like, he's using our own words against us. So CNN, quick <laughs> to respond. He, the CNN narrative's in about 10 minutes. So this is, what they're, this is what they're spinning on CNN. And this is, as you're watching CNN, I was watching different clips on Twitter. This is one of them. Angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session, which doesn't make sense because it's their own media propaganda. And then Trump refuses to acknowledge any mistakes. Uh, Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history of the coronavirus response. And we'll get to that later. We have a whole timeline. We're going to go through it and break down. That won't be our opinion. Those are just the facts. And then Trump meltdown his angry response to reports he ignored warning. So we'll get into that. There's some more stuff we want to get into. I know Nancy Pelosi being in Chinatown. We have that sound clip. We just got to keep pushing that out there to make sure the right history is pushed across. But let me see. I don't want to pull up. So I have different clips here. Where is it? Okay. Yeah, this is this is a good clip just because Trump comes out and he just hits this home run to come out and start the press conference and the media. Wow. So let's say we have some highlights from that. Here we go. So Trump comes out and he has some some support from the governors later in the video. And I thought that was interesting because People are saying, oh, Trump doesn't know what he's doing, and this and that, and the media's trying to spin this tale that they don't know what they're doing. And then you have people like Gavin Newsom coming out and thanking the president for the job he's doing, and they're working together where it's usually not that way. So here we go. We got the first clip. It won't play. His team is on it. They've been responsive late at night, early in the morning, uh, and they've uh, thus far been doing everything that they can do, and I want to say thank you. And I want to say that I appreciate it. He returns calls. He reaches out. Uh, he's been proactive. Uh, we got that mercy ship down here in Los Angeles. That was directly because he sent it down here. 2,000 uh, medical uh, units came to the state of California, these FMS, these, these field medical stations. Uh, and that's been very, very helpful. The president has been uh, uh, outstanding uh, through all this. The vice president's been outstanding members of the coronavirus task force, very responsive. So they come out. Chandler, what are your thoughts? I don't know if you had the opportunity to see the press conference. I'm assuming you did. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Um, There's actually some pretty funny commentary on on that specific press conference on uh, Stephen Crowder's show. So go check that out on YouTube. Uh, I thought thought that was – he did a good job of covering it, of course, with a a comedic spin. So – but yeah, I really uh, thought he did a good job of that press conference, highlighting how uh, positive the response has been by these uh, governors. And these are are not only Republican governors. Like you know, Gavin Newsom was in there, and he was 
really praising President Trump. So, uh, you know, I don't know why it, it took a, a virus for um, you know, our governor here in California to uh, show any sort of support for Trump, but I'm really happy uh, that, you know, not only is uh, Newsom supportive of what Trump is doing, that I think it indicates that Trump has done a really good job and even Democrat governors can't uh, complain about how well Trump has, has handled and supported uh, them in this situation. So, yeah, it's a really good thing. Uh, of course, that press conference is the one where um, Trump pressed play on the video and then he just uh, watched the video along with the press in there and then occasionally took uh, uh, some peeks at them and, and sort of just stared at some uh, members of the media there. Uh, did you happen to watch that? Or yeah, I actually have the clip right here, just the beginning, the few remarks he made before he started the video, and then the beginning music. So let's play that audio clip number two. I have a couple of interesting, we have a few uh, clips that we're just going to put up. We could turn the lights a little bit lower. I think you'll find them interesting. And then we'll answer some questions. I'll ask you some questions, because you're so guilty, but forget it. Uh, but most importantly, we're going to get back onto the reason we're here which is the success we're having. Okay, uh, please, you can put it up. How worried should Americans be about coronavirus? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. And so Trump's just looking back and forth. So there's the music. So I'll make sure to upload some of this video content into our video today as well. So don't feel like you got left out. I feel like that press conference, if you get an opportunity to go see it, go see it. This thing was probably the best of one of the best press conferences I've seen since the White House. Where I was like, wow, we got TVs out. It looked like a DJ booth. We got a little setup right there. And I was like, wow, it's like Trump's going to town. And, and Twitter was blowing up. They're all, Trump's having a meltdown. I'm like, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, it's just the, the fake news coming out. And I don't even like to call them fake news. I like to call them Democrat activists because that's what they are. They're just another branch of the Democrat Party. So any last closing thoughts? That was number one. Trump flips the narrative and sends the media into a complete panic. Yeah, I think one one last thing we need to cover before uh, we move on is uh, Trump talking about uh, defunding the World Health Organization. Uh, you know, that, that was a, a big deal. But it's not uh, set in stone that we will for sure stop funding the World Health Organization, but uh, looking into uh, revising um, our involvement with that. Uh, because very obviously, and we've been saying this uh, for a long time on the show, the World Health Organization has supported China. They've um, not been uh, acting in the best interest of the health of the world, which uh, really, um, it, it just, it messes with, uh, you know, the, the, whole success of the world and the whole, uh, you know, global response to a, a pandemic like the coronavirus. And so, yeah, I, I think looking into defunding the WHO is absolutely necessary. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you hopped a little ahead there. That is number two, one thing that you need to know okay. about. So if you don't know, the United States pays for 22% of their total assessed fees. And this is a cap that's set by the World Health Organization for fees. And the United States is the single largest contributor. But don't get this wrong. They spent $237 million in dues. They spend around $640 million. You can check this out online. 
and the World Health Organization posts the statistics and everything, and they spend voluntarily that $640 million. So we're giving them a lot of money. This is a lot of aid that goes to the World Health Organization, and all the World Health Organization has covered up this thing for China. So it, it's, it's crazy that we, we, we see this each and every week. We see how the media helped cover up China, and they're, and they're using it right now. They're doing it. We're going to have another press conference this afternoon, 3 o'clock, and they're going to come out, and they're going to attack Donald Trump, and they're going to try to spin the truth. And, and like we said in other episodes, the victors are the ones that tell history. Those are the people that are going to write history, and that's what's going to be put out there. So we cannot let the media go out and spin the narrative and make sure that, oh, Trump wasn't accountable. I don't want to see in a history book 30 years from now saying, Donald J. Trump. He was not prepared for the coronavirus situation and this and that, and he didn't send aid, and he didn't get hospital heads and respirators and ventilators and everything out to the people that needed them, and we can't let that happen. That's one thing. Matt and Chan show the truth. we got to make sure that this is the truth, and it's, and it's fact. Like, me and Chan aren't spinning any, like, conspiracy theories here. Like, these are facts. This happened on this day. He closed the borders to China. We cannot forget that. But the media keeps saying, it wasn't enough. We needed to be ready in November. We should have... China wasn't telling us anything, and people are going out and believing what China's saying. I guess they said today that their death counts doubled all of a sudden. So it's like, what's the truth? China, tell us the truth. Come on. Yeah, I think a couple important things there. I think it is fair to say, like, yeah, we didn't respond as quickly as possible or um, as efficiently as possible, but nobody was going. Nobody in the country, left, right, or center, was saying, oh, we need to all of a sudden dramatically increase, you know, our our ICU capacity or, or the number of ventilators or the number of masks we have back in December. Nobody was saying that. Yep. Um, and possibly we would have been if China and the World Health Organization had been honest. You know, it was back in January when China was still saying that uh, the novel coronavirus couldn't be passed um, – from person to person, there was no person to person transmission. And Taiwan, uh, the, the country of Taiwan noted that there was human to human transmission. Um, and that was back in January. And what did the World Health Organization do? They kicked them out of their organization. Exactly. So this is, this is the continuous, and we'll get to that. We have the whole timeline. It's gonna be straight facts, no opinions. It's literally gonna be, we're gonna walk through exactly what's happened since January all the way up until March and into these weeks. Cause now we're, now we're having plans to get into phase one. We'll get into that. So number three no, thing you got to know facts, debunking the media truth about the China virus. We're already here. So we're going to get into it. So like you said, we already Taiwan, the human to human contact. So, so there's a, there's a round table, the cats round table. And they said, Oh, there's nothing that uh, the American public needs to be frightened about. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. So that's January 26. And then Ron Klain, Biden's campaign advisor, comes out, and he says, yes, thank you for China for being so transparent and candid. Wow, I think um, that China is uh, more transparent and more candid than it's been during the past outbreaks, so there's problems in transparency. And Wow, they're, they're on top of it. Chandler, do you want to take us to day number 28, January 28th? What happens there? Yeah, so January 28th, three days before Trump closes off most travel from China, Klain says that he opposes the measure. So he's, 
he's presenting this as such a small problem, or he's he's acting on China's behalf and, and announcing that it's not a significant problem and that we shouldn't ban travel from China. Well, now every leading health official is saying that that was the right move to, to ban that travel. So, uh, and then two days later, January 30th, CNN published a piece by Brandon Tinsley entitled Coronavirus Task Force, another example of Trump administration's lack of diversity. Um, and so he's, he's pointing uh, to the lack of, or of intersection of culture and politics, um, but wasn't talking about the, the medical analysis in there. So, yeah, um, just uh, really poor journalism. I mean, what do you expect from, like you say, from the, the Democrat activists at CNN? But, yeah, any, any more thoughts on that? Yeah, so then that same day, January 30th, the who finally comes out and says, we have a health emergency, but people don't realize, look at back, Trump closed it just a few days prior. We're, we're, he's on top of the ball. Like the World Health Organization, you expect them to be on top of the crisis every time something happens. They have to be on the ball. That is their job. They have to make sure that human life is protected from viruses, from sickness, from all these things. And I was looking back, it's like Ebola and all these, everything that Obama was, they were praising him. And the thing is, what you don't see is President Trump, he gets ridiculed every single day. You go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, you go anywhere, you watch the news. They're like, it's propaganda. And one thing I want to debunk right now is that I've heard over and over and over again, Trump did not call this a hoax. He called the media's response a hoax. And this is something that is I've continuously seen on Facebook and Twitter and every social media platform. Trump called it a hoax. Trump called it a hoax. He did not call it a hoax. I, I want to get that clear and straight to the audience because people will continue to say this until the end of time. I don't want to see in the history book, Trump thought it was a hoax, that he didn't know what he was doing. He's ill-prepared. He's He doesn't know what he's doing. He's, he's lost his mind. He doesn't... So, I don't know. That's just, it kind of irritates me. Chan, you've probably seen the same thing, the hoax. It's been spun around all over the place. Yeah, of course. And, you know, people are always going to pull Trump's words slightly out of context. And it, it makes it sound like, you know, and that's exactly what the media is trying to do. They're making him say things that he's never said. You know, I think back to like the Charleston uh, incident when he said that there were good people on both sides. When right before uh, he says that, uh, he says, now, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis uh, or the, the white supremacists. They should be condemned completely. Why did the media never play that clip uh, when they talked about there being good people on both sides? Uh, so, yeah, this is just another example. I, I really like how you said that. Uh, we're not even calling them fake news. They're Democrat activists, uh, and they're anti-Trump activists, really. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they're going to continue to spin his words and... It's, uh, it's detrimental to American politics. Exactly. So then we have the, the non-immigrants, a person who posed a risk of transmitting the 2019 novel coronavirus, and that's Trump. That's the issues of proclamation of suspension of entry of immigrants and non-immigrants. And then we get to the 31, so now everybody's saying, oh, man, Trump just banned. Now we're getting a freakout. So, like, from the media, Democrat activists, I want to make sure we're getting that right, so then we have the New York slimes, they come out. Dr. Michael Ulster Holmes saying that Trump's decision to restrict travel from China was more of an emotional or political reaction. Oh, yes, because Trump, 
it's a gut feeling. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to do everything off my gut. I don't, I don't seek any information. I'm just going to do what I do. I'm Trump. No, that's not what happens. Everybody. He has a council. He has a cabinet. He can go to them for information. He is briefed every morning. This is the hardest job in the world. The free nation of America. He has to get up every morning and see, okay, what's going on in the world? Okay. What's our military updates? Like he has to sit down at his desk and be like, okay, this is the world. Like imagine being president of the United States. You got to sit down and you got to absorb whatever 24 hours of information and trump doesn't even sleep at all so think about it four or five hours something could have happened off off a ship so we're looking at that so it's just it, when you're looking at it, the washington post and then puts up oh chinese official asking for empathy and slamming the white house for acting in disregard of who recommendation against travel restrictions this is not exactly what happened so i know my mom's trying to interrupt on the show this morning hi mom how you doing hi matthew hi chan oh did you hear her chan? Hello, Awesome. I'm all right. We're in the middle of a show. <laughs> so, so, um, and then Vox tweets out, is this going to be a deadly pandemic? And they said, no, Vox. Yes. Cause I believe everything Vox says. So, and then, right. and then we're looking at the death counts. This is 213 people had died and nearly 10,000 had been affected by that point. And so, and there's all these media outlets that are saying this is not even anything going on. We're, there's there's no virus. We're we're gonna be good. We're we're healthy. So Chandler, you want to kick us off Groundhog's Day, February second. What happens then? CNN. Yeah. So we got the, this quote from CNN or this tweet from CNN. Uh, there's a virus that has infected 15 million Americans across the country and killed more than 8,200 people in this season alone. It's not a new pandemic. It's influenza. And you know I. I'll say this. We were saying something fairly similar back then, or at least I was. Um, and here's the deal. We didn't have the information because China was hiding that information. Uh, and that goes back to looking into defunding the World Health Organization and uh, putting some sort of, of consequences on China's side. Um, but the fact that the, the mainstream news was pushing this that aggressively, it was simply in, in a way, that was uh, against Trump because, you know, Trump had put that travel ban uh, coming from China. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, more spin by the, the mainstream news. And then, so we're going to hop down. So then we have February 5th. Over 5,000 passengers on two cruise ships had been ordered to quarantine. The worldwide death toll at the point was 490. We're still under 500 deaths. And then... We still got impeachment going on in the United States. The Senate finally acquits Donald Trump. And so now they're like, oh, my goodness. So we got impeachment still going on in February. Because I know we were talking about that in our episode. We said by February. I was two days off from that prediction. If you go back and listen to the episode, I said by February we should be Trump. Right. It should be acquitted. So look back. And so now we're looking at – so we're just getting over with that. And then – so then we got – I think it's funny. I want to hop down a little bit because I know there was a lot of – New York, there was stuff going on. And I think what's interesting is, so uh, Fauci announces is a minuscule in the U.S. And there's going to be stay-at-home orders. But the one that gets me the most, I feel like, is at the end of the month when Nancy Pelosi is in San Francisco at the 24th. And she's telling people to come visit San Francisco. I have that clip. I'm going to pull that up because I think it's interesting that people are saying that Trump's response was so delayed. And this is almost, what is this, three weeks later? He's in that Nancy Pelosi's in Chinatown. I'm going to play that clip. It's exciting to be here, especially at this time. 
uh, to be able to be unified with our community. Uh, we want to be vigilant about what that might be on the, uh, what is out there in other places. We want to be careful about how we deal with it. But we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. <laughs> so bad. Like, so, so think about it. This, this has nothing to do with any sort of racism or xenophobia. I would imagine that if you know, if you were a, a Chinese person living in, uh, you know, Chinese American living in uh, Chinatown in San Francisco, the likelihood that you either would travel back and forth from China occasionally or know people and encounter people who do is. I would guess extremely high, uh, you know, because that, that's how, uh, especially because it, it's a, not uh, an insanely long flight across the Pacific Ocean uh, to get to China. Like it's, uh, you know, they're on America's West Coast and, and uh, you know, readily available to travel uh, back and forth from China. It's not a good idea. Oh, yeah, come to Chinatown or come to San Francisco, for that matter, um, in the midst of. Uh, what's mounting to be a uh, a pandemic. So then, so a lot of people don't know is, and we've said this on past episodes already, that 7,000 people daily come into the United States from China through California airports. And they're telling people, come out to Chinatown. And I think if anything, we've been talking about this. We talked about this like three episodes ago. I was thinking that I was sick in early February. I went to Boston. I was going through the airports. And I'm thinking, Man, we're going through all these airports. I got sick. It was a pretty rough. It was nothing I had ever seen before. I was chest, everything. So we're looking at this, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if that was the flu or that could have been the coronavirus. And now we're talking about California. A lot of people are coming out, and they're saying herd immunity is happening in California. And I went out to Fresno yesterday. I went into town. I had to get my phone fixed. Just having problems with my phone. Screen cracked like two days after I bought it. I was like, man, this sucks. I got to get this changed. And I go into town. Fresno looks like it's humming. We got cars out and about. We got people out. People are shopping. Grocery stores are stocked. I went into Walmart. I was kind of curious. I wanted to go to Walmart yesterday, pick up a few things, walk in. Man, every cart was gone. There's people out and about living life, and there's still some small businesses that are open. And speaking of Nancy Pelosi, she comes out, and she's saying that she wants to cut off more aid to small businesses, and we just ran out of small business aid relief. And she's like, no, we cannot do small businesses. Like, we need to pay for other things like illegal immigrants. I think that's a more more moral case for that. I think that's where the money got to go. And other, like, baloney that she wants to add into the deal. All that pork. Mm, let me get that pork in that in that deal. So she's coming out, and she's like, oh, yeah, no. And it's interesting because I heard a little clip yesterday of an interview she was in, and she was on one of the late-night shows, and she goes, yeah, I had my kids flown in to New York or something from New York and different things like that, and... And I'm like, hmm, interesting. It's like, wow, we're supposed to quarantine and not to be like have people carriers of the virus. And those kids could be carriers of the virus. And she's a pretty, she's an older lady. So you would say like, wow, like she's not even following the rules herself. And they're like, yeah, we had the family. We're all hanging out. It's not like, I'm like, hmm, it's like, I don't know. This, it's not a double standard here. We're, we're trying to save lives. We're all following protocol. We're going out when we need to get groceries and stuff. But Hey, that's that's the ideal picture for the Democrats. They want to have all of the rule. They want to be able to like live their life and then make everybody else live underneath that. And that's the biggest thing. That's socialism. You have a little group at the top and everything else. And then you get and then it gets worse. I'm like socialism 
and, and a lot of the time you don't hear about this, is socialism is like the good part of communism. You get the, get the free stuff. We're singing Kumbaya. We're all living together. But then we get to communism. You get a dictator in power, and oh, man, it is atrocious. We've seen 100 million deaths in the past 100 years from socialism, and this is still a good idea. And actually, I want to give a shout-out to one of our uh, fellow groups on Twitter. She reached out, Conservative Women for Trump, and they came out, and they were writing articles. They gave us, they gave us a shout-out. just want to give them a shout-out. They wrote an article today talking about socialism and Generation Z and the effects of socialism. A little tangent here, but I just think it's students need to learn what socialism is. It's, it's being, like, cupcaked and sugar-coated and everything you can think of. Yeah, socialism's good. It's fair. But then it's, like, defined fairness. Like, what's fair? Like, the people living up on the top aren't completely being fair to everybody at the bottom. They're ruling. They're taking the money. Kim Jong-un, North Korea. You look at him in Vietnam. You look at all these different cases around the world. Venezuela. Everybody's always, Venezuela. Oh, man. The school system's good. Health care's good. And look at Cuba. And this is all good, but it's, like, how many people are dying? Like nobody asked that, so. Sorry, right. Tana, I got yeah. a little tangent there. <laughs> yeah, I know, and maybe just to, to close out that thought, everybody, uh, or, or I shouldn't say everybody, but most people like the idea of how free college, free healthcare, free, you know, transportation, I don't know what whatever agenda will be next, um, but that stuff isn't free. That has to come from somewhere. Uh, and if you think it's only going to come from the top 1%, well, you have another thing coming because everybody, if you want to, to have a collective um, services paid for, that's going to come all the way down to the, to the lowest earners. Um, and until, uh, yeah, until people realize that um, they're going to continue to be okay with, uh, you know, government takeover of these various industries. And that will not end well for America if we go down that route. Exactly. So let's get back on path. We've got to get into March. So now we have New York, and we got the, the situation there. Deaths are starting to collect. Um, and then you got Andrew Como coming out, and there's everybody's still trying to – and then CNN's still downplaying the virus. So then Gupta comes out, CNN. Um, so 15,000 people roughly have already died of the flu this season. A couple years ago, 60,000 died of the flu. So now – they're getting mad now that they're comparing it to the flu. I know that was a big thing with, oh, yeah, it's, it's not the flu, so we're not going to compare it. But then anybody that's in conservative media that even mentioned the flu was like, wow, they're so, they don't have a heart. And so it's like, wow, they're comparing it to the flu. It's not the same thing. No, it's not. It's, it's, they're two different things. And the only difference between uh, this and the flu is there's no nothing really that's locked in to treat the flu. We have Tamiflu, we have vaccine, we have different things like that. And now they're coming out and they're like, oh, we can't compare it. And there's still like some rumbling. You hear the flu and people go, whoa, whoa. So, yeah, so let's see. What do we want to hop to? And then, um, and then March 11th, Trump blocks most travel from continental Europe, except for the UK. So pretty much anybody mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the European Union and people start coming out, oh, my gosh. This is serious. Trump's wow, and and this was like after the we closed the border to China. I'm like, okay, what what's the media going to spin now? Is it going to be or Democrat activists? I want to make sure we're getting that right. That uh, that wow, this is this is racist or this is xenophobic or so I don't know. That's some different things. You want to hop into the next one, Chan? So we're got some other countries respond to this now. Yeah, uh, talking like. March 17th, France imposes the nationwide lockdown right in there. Um, 
and European Union leaders agreed to mostly seal off the block for 30 days. So um, now by uh, by mid-March, it takes all the way until mid-March for um, a collective European response to this. Um, March 23rd, Britain imposes a, na- a nationwide lockdown. Uh, March 24th, India imposes a nationwide lockdown. And, you know, all of these countries are approaching it a little bit differently. Some are, are more strict with um, how much they're locking down. Others are less strict. You know, I, I frequent um, the running forum, uh, let'srun.com, and people in, like, France and other European countries talking about, um, like, you can get arrested uh, or certainly fined for uh, being out and exercising in some of these countries because the, the restrictions are so strict. So, um yeah, uh, every country is responding a little bit differently. Um, March 27th, a senior WHO official cuts off uh, an interview um, after the reporter implies Taiwan, which is not a WHO member state, is independent of China. The official Canadian doctor, Bruce Aylward, initially pretended not to hear the question before terminating the Skype call with the reporter. When I first saw this clip, I thought it was like a comedy sketch. You know, because it's like the classic, oh, I didn't hear you. And then all of a sudden he, he cuts off the call. I thought I thought it was fake. I thought it was a comedy skit. Um, so, yeah, absolutely crazy that, um, you know, the, the WHO has no um, concern for the nation of Taiwan. And, and I think really doesn't have a, a genuine concern uh, as, as a collective organization. I'm sure there are plenty of good people in uh, who work for the WHO. But as a collective organization... They don't have a concern for the health of the world. They have their political agendas that they're pushing. Exactly. So now, March 30th, the biggest stimulus package in U.S. history, $2 trillion. Trump signs it in. And then now we're having these stay-at-home orders put into place. Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C., they're all joining in. And now 265 million people are now on lockdown. And we've seen it go up since then, of course. And so now we're looking, so this is where this timeline ends for now. In the last two weeks, we've been saying, okay, we've been hearing rumblings. Are we going to open the economy again? And we finally saw that yesterday, which we're going to get into that next one. The Great American Comeback is our fifth point about returning back to greatness. So I don't know. It's been an interesting, it felt like the longest month that I've ever had in my life. It just feels like it's a never-ending dream is what it feels like. I'm like, wow, this is continuing to go on, like, when are we going to get back to work? Like, I'm still working. I'm still considered, I guess, an essential worker. But looking at the different things, it's like, wow. It's like, this time is just gone. Like, I don't know, Chan. I, with this past month, I just, with the rewriting of history, like, they're trying to rewrite all this history that we just spoke of right now. They're trying to spin this in a whole different direction than where we actually are. Like, looking at, like, what the media does. This is the media. The Democrat activists are doing this each and every day. They're, they've been trying to do this since the day he was elected. I just it's it's crazy for me to think about all of the stuff that they've done. Like I don't know, ABC, CNBC, and then CNN. It's like, when does it end? That's my big question. Yeah, I I think uh, what the, it's important for the American people to understand is that it won't end. The the left leaning propaganda coming from the the majority of our media isn't going to stop. So. You know, we talked about this last week, and I think it bears repeating. You have to do your own research. You have to look into the facts. You know, like we said last week, don't just take uh, mine and, and Matt's words for this. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're talking.
talking about um, all these different facts and numbers and, and different uh, examples that are happening throughout the world, look them up yourself. Go do your own research. Um, you know, we're, we're here to, to give you as much information. And as far as we know, everything we're saying is factually accurate. Doesn't matter. Go look it up for yourself, uh, you know, because there is a strong left-leaning bias in the media. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to combat that with, with truth and with a, uh, a conservative perspective. But, yeah, it, it's really important to go do your own research. Um, so, yeah, because it's not going to end in terms of uh, this bias, anti-Trump, anti-American, uh, anti-conservative. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I totally agree with you, Chan. You have to do your own work. Like, that is the one thing that you're going to have to continually do. And it doesn't matter if it's political or, or religious. You have to know what you believe and you have to stand for it. And that means doing your research. If you know your research, especially in politics, if you do your research, the left doesn't usually do research. They'll do a few talking points, and once they get to after they get to that point where they don't know what to argue anymore, then they start going, "You're xenophobic. You're racist. You're a Nazi." That is not exactly how this works. Like, we are Americans, and this is what like me and Chan. This is our show. So, um, I know Chan. We still need to talk about uh, fraud. Um, if you wanted to talk about voter fraud, I know we wanted to get into that too as well. I didn't want to miss that because I think that's an important thing that we have to talk about as well because mail-in voting, Nancy Pelosi's been pushing a mail-in voting initiative and trying to get all 50 states to have mail-in voting and have ballot harvesters and all kinds of things. Like, this is not good at all. Chandler, what are your thoughts? Mail-in voting, like, is this, is this going to be the new normal? Like, I know some states are wanting to open in July, August. Like, we're hearing all these different dates, but mail-in voting? Like, this is a major thing. This is a national election that we're talking about here. Like, what are we supposed yeah. to do? Yeah, you know, like, I make use of the absentee voting um, because, like, at school, living in Fresno, um, and, uh, or, you know, I'm from Hanford, and I, I vote based off uh, my residence in Hanford, but when we're at school and, and I'm in Fresno, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to drive to Hanford to vote. And so I'll make use of the absentee voting. Um, the problem with this, though, is um, that a lot of people, or, or especially um, Democrats, are, are using uh, mail-in voting, absentee voting, um, to to fraudulently, fraudulently gain more votes. Um, and you have a lot of really great sources up here uh, talking about that. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through right here some of the best things, you know, talking about the need for a, a voter ID, um, having, you know, like you said, we have uh, an ID to buy alcohol, cigarettes, a house, a car. Um, you need an ID for unemployment, Medicare, um, to get on an airplane, to adopt a pet, visit a casino, a casino, pick up a prescription, but you don't need an ID to vote. That's ridiculous. Um, and and especially in some of the more left-leaning states like California and New York, they're making use of that to uh, get, you know, illegal immigrants to vote in uh, these federal elections. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And we, we saw it in the 20s with elections in New York and stuff. That's a big thing is they're coming in. And they're like, hey, we got all these immigrants coming in. We got it. Let's go. Let's get these people voting all Democrat. And I can't remember who said it. I'm just on the tip of my tongue. Um, he said – Man, if we get we get all these people uh, uh, voting for us, and we'll have them voting for us for fifty years. And so, can't I, I 
I think that's a, a Lyndon B. Johnson quote and um, had some pretty uh, harsh racist language in there. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't think that bears repeating on this show, but it, it's a uh, um, go look up for yourself that Lyndon B. Johnson quote about uh, having, and that one in particular was about African-Americans voting for them for the next uh, next 50 years or next 100 years, something like that. Um, and, and they have the same perspective with immigrants. I don't think collectively that the Democrats have that much interest in the welfare of, um, of immigrants in the United States or of minorities in the United States. They have an interest in maintaining power and in getting votes um, and in getting funding. Uh, that's what at least the higher up Democrats are, are concerned with. And it's really sad. And I think that's why you see things like the, um, the Blexit movement uh, and, uh, you know, other movements where minorities and um, people who have traditionally been Democrat voters uh, are turning to, uh, to become a lot more conservative in their voting because they're realizing that the Democrats aren't taking care of them the way that they said they would. And uh, I think, you know, that's a, a little bit of, of a side note from uh, voter fraud, but just in terms of getting votes that you don't deserve, the Democrats have been doing a really good job of getting votes that they absolutely do not deserve for a long time. You know, they're always talking about how they're going to fix up the inner cities, and then homelessness goes up. They talk about how, uh, you know, they're going to uh, reduce unemployment among minorities, and then it takes Donald Trump coming in for unemployment to, to drop dramatically for uh, all minorities and women. Like, um, you know, it, it's extreme um, how bad that they lie to, especially uh, minorities in the United States. Like, it's really despicable when you think about it. It's, it's very dark, and I, and I repeat it again. Socialism will never work in America, and this is the overall arching theme of their policy. They want to have Nancy Pelosi up there. They want us to bow down to her Queen Pelosi. Like that's what they want. They want power. And one thing I always pull from my classes that I've taken at Fresno Pacific is the number one thing for a politician that they do after getting elected. It's not okay. How can we better help my people in this district? It's we need to get reelected. So, and, and it was interesting because my professor asked that question. He said, yeah, so like, what are your thoughts? Like, what do, you, what do these elected officials do right after they get elected? And he's, everybody's just throwing out answers. And my 10 people went, and I'm like, mm-hmm. And it's like, they want to get reelected. So, and it's interesting being in a class of college students my sophomore year and, and knowing, seeing the knowledge that is known about this country is quite sad. And I think our education has seen a, a decline in the way that it's taught. I think it's good. Once you get to college, it's good that, hey, we need to make sure you're taking these courses because because these teachers and stuff that are uh, our school's known for teachers, we're sending these teachers out, and if they don't know the basic fundamentals of our country, how are they supposed to go teach students? Like the, the point of, of these schools in the United States, these public schools are to make better Americans, more productive people, and to have a life worth living. And when, we, when you come in and you start forcing these agendas on students, there's, a, there's identity confusion and all these different things that you're trying to push on these students, and it's not good. We should be able to celebrate culture. We should be able to, and this is like the principle. It's like we have all these people that are going to these schools, and then they're coming out, and they're like, yeah, socialism. Man, it's great. It's great. And it's like, no, 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 no. So it's just like education is such a key, key aspect of all that. So 
Um, do you have any last thoughts on voter fraud? I know we kind of got in a little side tangent there. We still need to get to number five, and then we have a Q&A session. Yeah, uh, I just want to make sure you covered everything that, that you intended to with vo voter fraud. Um, I think, you know, you have something here from uh, Padilla uh, uh, contributing to Breitbart, it looks like. Uh, more than a month later, in a letter dated April 7, 2020, Padilla confirmed uh, double voting in one case and suspected double voting by a number of other registered voters on Super Tuesday, and that was the quarter to a letter obtained by Breitbart News. Um, and then Padilla confirmed in at least one case that two ballots from one voter were opened and counted on election night. Uh, Twelve of the 15 total registered voters identified with duplicate voting history and are suspected to have cast two ballots for the March primary election. Uh, and so, yeah, all, all that goes to show that we uh, need voter ID. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I know it, it would add like an extra step uh, in terms of having to, you know, maybe register for that or um, however that would work. But I think it's very important, you know, being a, a democratic republic like we are, uh, where the people's vote makes a significant difference in the way our government is run. You know, it's a government uh, by the people and for the people. Uh, it's very important that only uh, the votes that are actually real, you know, like I only get one vote. You only get one vote. Everybody else only gets one vote. Um, you know, that's all that should be counted. There should be no, uh, no fraudulent voting. Exactly. And one thing I think is easy is, we all have to get real ID to get on an airplane. Why not add that into our voting measure? Like you should have some kind of ID that so we can stop voter fraud. We've seen this for years. We've been going over this for years that we've been having to, to go through all this stuff. And it just continues to irritate me when elections swing the other way. So when we look at Orange County, at first, for say, that was a Republican stronghold for many years. And then now as of recently in 2018, that flipped blue. And it was and it was interesting because 62% of all ballots were absentee, and most of these votes didn't even come in till after the initial election day because they were getting collected by the ballot harvesters. But the thing about ballot harvesting is, we don't know what happens with those third party between that and the polling place. Votes can be mm -hmm. changed, votes can be thrown out. So we have to be on top of this, and we have to keep people accountable. I heard another thing is that I was on Twitter yesterday. Somebody commented on one of the one of the posts about voter ID. I think we need voter ID. And we're talking about it today. Is term limits like people that are taking advantage of this and continuing to get people to vote for them year after year, and it's not good at all. We continue to see this, and and we see people like Nancy Pelosi, Jim Costa, people that have been screwing over Californians. And I think this election, as long as everything's not mail in and there's fine, they find ways to like manipulate our election. I think this might be the turning point for California because you have a lot of pissed off Californians. And I know there's a lot of people in California that listen to this show. I know our audience varies. We have people all the way in Boston. Shout out Robert. We got to have him back on the show soon. We got people all the way in Africa. So we have our audience just spreads across the world and we got people each and every week that we continue to grow. So it's just, we need to have something that makes sure we get everybody's vote counted. I, that's what the founders would have wanted like free elections, accountable elections, things that like this. And then we have people that are taking advantage of our systems, adding ballot harvesting, like Valadeo here in the Valley. And he was the, I think he's Selma and that area. And he had a 5,000 vote lead. And then like in 24 hours, 
uh, TJ Cox made up those votes and pulled it within like under a thousand. He was at 800 or something votes. So it's like, where did these votes come from? And it, the funny thing is most of the votes I believe were Democrats. So of course he's going to cover the gap. So it's like, Hmm. So he didn't gain any more votes, but Democrats gained 5,000 votes. All what? That doesn't make sense to me. So it's just like, there needs to be an accountability factor. So I know those are the five things, um, or actually we got one more thing. So we got one more thing yep. we got to hit. So, so before we end, we got to make sure this is the great American comeback that we've been talking about. We need to get back to work. And finally, President Trump comes out yesterday. And I'm like so happy. This is probably the best news we've heard in in a while, probably a few weeks. This is like one of the best news week. We had the media getting their butt kicked on Monday. And then the end of the week, we have the country opening up again. And the great, the great thing about it is that he's allowing governors to take control of the situation for their state, state rights, something you don't usually see the Democrats support, which I think is interesting. They want national yeah. government, big government, like that's what, what they want. So phase one, so this is going to start slowly opening up businesses. We're going to see non-essential travel and not gathering in groups still in place, but like restaurants, churches, gyms, all these places are going to be able to have social distancing measures and be able to be open. So I'm like, that'll be difficult, but I think it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah. You know, I, I for one, can't wait to be able to go back to a coffee shop, back to church. You know, I've really, I'm thankful we can do like online, you know, virtual church services, but I miss going and like being, uh, you know, with other Christians gathered, you know, people who I've become uh, friends with and stuff over time. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Even if that means, you know, we're washing, uh, or, you know, we're, we're wearing masks, um, maybe we're sitting every other seat instead of right next to each other, things like that. Um, and, and again, similar at restaurants and other places, I'm really excited that, you know, that's going to start happening. Exactly. And so this is going to be the first phase. And so then number two, so this is all going to be determined by the governors. Gavin Newsom said, wait for two weeks. This is what he says. I'm happy that he's cooperating and i think california with our leadership here may be the last to open i'm that's my prediction i just think california there's going to be too much politics they're going to keep us closed it's one of their ideals that they want they just want to keep people shut down they want to keep controlling their lives and the thing is phase one isn't enacted until the governor says so so phase one this sounds all good and dandy but we got to wait until Newsom gives us the good, like, well, hey, you guys can go. We're starting phase one, and then we'll start moving in. And then phase two allows for non-essential travel to resume. And then schools can open, bars can operate. But right now, bars in phase one, which we're not there yet, cannot open. That makes sense, though, I think. People shouldn't be going out drinking. They're not going to follow measures once they're drunk. Like, you're, like, inhibiting your ability to do so. So I think that's that's a smart decision. I know it's like, dang, the bars, like, people have a good time. It's like... No, we'll get there in phase two. That'll start to open. Um, and then phase three, pretty much, as we see a downtrend in the, in the system, then we're going to start being able to have public interaction, physical distancing, and unrestricted staffing at work sites. Um, like, people can go back and forth and start getting back into different things. So, like, we can start, hey, like, this is, we're getting into regular life again. Places are open. Um, this is, like, where we're starting to see, like, stuff that we can use to combat the virus and just get back to, as everybody's been saying, the new normal. I think America is going to come back stronger than ever. We're going to have a booming economy. And as long as we keep people accountable like China, I think we're going to be on the right path. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I kind of have a, a question, just like an opinion question for you. Do you think that we can get to phase three before there's a vaccine or a, a known cure for uh, the coronavirus? I think 100%. I, I believe that we need to take the measurements to move to get open again. Because you look at other countries, I'm going to, so we got other countries such as, and this is a BBC article. Germany is easing restrictions. They're going to start opening shops and different things this week. Austria has reopened thousands of shops. France has extended its lockdown to May, May 11th. Um, so they're, they're staying a little longer. But a lot of countries are like, hey, we need to get this global economy up. And in China, they continue to not tell the truth. And so I think there's going to be some accountability factor. I know there's been thoughts like sitting in a class last week, they were asking, do you think there's going to be any different attitude toward China after this whole thing? I think no, I or, or I think yes, I think people are going to start keeping them accountable. But I think it, just to say that, yeah, we're just going to go back to freely trading with them and start like, like that's going to be good to do. But it's like, hey, let's start buying American. Let's start doing things that help the economy. I just want to give a quick shout out to, so people got their stimulus checks this week. The last few days, they've been coming in. Some people haven't gotten them, as I've heard. And some some crazy stories about some people getting $8 million put into their account. Like, wow. Um, so uh, So it's just like, Use those things to either further your stuff. Don't give the money back to the government. Like use it where you need it for sure. But like buy American products. Like it's supposed to stimulate the economy. That's what it's usually it's used for. So buy things that are American made. Don't give that money back to China. The people that lied and manipulated the whole coronavirus. We wouldn't be in the situation if they had like given us information earlier. But back to your question, like I think phase three. No matter if we have a vaccine or not, I think herd immunity is going to be the thing. We've seen it in California. So. And, and I want to see what the actual statistics on that. I want to see, okay, it is herd immunity for sure. I don't know for sure yet. That's been what's been floating around. And I think we just got to get back to normal. I think we can't let a virus control our lives for the rest. We can't just be in our homes. Like summer's going to get here. People are not going to want to stay inside. People are going to be out and about. So, yeah, I think phase three, vaccine or not, I think we'll probably be closer. But we'll probably not see a vaccine for a year or so. So I think once the warmer weather gets opened up again, I think we're going to probably be closer to phase three. But I've heard other states that want to stay close till August and maybe even later. So it's interesting. It's going to be a state by state thing anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say that I do appreciate that uh, that Trump did that. You know, earlier he was saying that it would be his decision when to reopen America. And I guess to a degree, uh, you know, he, he does have that power to say, you know, like collectively as a country, we're in this. But um Ultimately, I feel like that right, you know, it was the individual governors and even broken down within states, you know, mayors and city councils who were deciding uh, to impose a lot of these measures. And so it should be it should go down to the more local government to um, to end the measures that they put in place and to begin the, the comeback. But I'm glad that, that Trump has, uh, you know, along with uh, his team, has supported, uh, you know, beginning to reopen America. And I like this three-phase system. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. That's sort of what we've been talking about on the show. You know, we're going to ease back into it. Um, and so this is a, a pretty clear path of how to do that. So I, I really like this. Yeah, exactly. And this is a quote from the Donald. Um, America wants to be open. Americans want to be open. A national shutdown is not sustainable long-term. So it's like, hey, if, like this isn't going to be the new normal. We're not going to be locked down in our houses for months and months and months. The Democrats would love it. And I think Charlie Kirk, if you guys, I'm giving him a shout out, Turning Point USA, trying to start a chapter at Fresno Pacific. It's going to be great once we get that going. But he said this last week, it's like, he, he, it's a question I think that's, that's, that's an interesting one is, like, if you hated America, 
what would you want to see right now? Like, would you want to see more of a delayed lockdown? Do you want to see, like, this is, like, the dream. If I hated America, like, wow, economic downturn, 30% unemployment, things like that were the destructive America. Go listen to, like, last week's episode, Charlie Kirk show. He talks about this, and it's like, wow, like, if I truly hated America, like, this is the things that I would would want to happen in this COVID situation to just continue government rule, government spending, and just keep people pretty much, like, in their place, like keep people down. Like I think unemployment, like can we keep these people on government programs? So like, I think it's interesting to look at the overall themes of like Chandler, like if I hated America, like what would be, what would be one of the things that you'd want to see? Like, like per se, like right now, like what would be one thing and be like, yeah. Well, I think if you hated America, you'd want America to be the last nation to open up this economy and let its people uh, enjoy their sense of freedom again. Um, and, you know, but frankly, I don't think there's very many people uh, who disagree with this quote that um, that America wants to be open and Americans want to be open. Uh, I think even on the, the left wing, uh, you know, Democrat activist news that they are, they agree. They want America to be open and Americans to be open. I don't think there's that much hatred for America where, you know, because they understand that a lot of their viewers, you know, maybe they don't work, but they want to be able to buy stuff and, and enjoy themselves. So, um, like, I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great quote. I find it hard to disagree with, regardless of whatever perspective you could have, unless you have this deep underlying hatred for America, like you were saying. And you're, and you got to see, look at, look at ISIS, like completely demolished trump's done a great job you don't hear isis like we've been hearing some little rumblings but like they'd love to see the destruction of america that's what they want the death of christians and different things like this is what they man that's what their heart desires and there's people in the united states that believe this country is terrible that it's like it's racist that capitalist pigs are taking over like wow and i, and I do agree that like, there's corporations out there that are going to take advantage of the system and and manipulate people and sell products and stuff in there. And that's why we need government at some, at certain parts of our economy to make sure things aren't being, but I don't, it's like when people say, yeah, capitalism, but it's like, man, if we didn't have capitalism, we wouldn't be able to fund any of the basic things. Like, I don't think I'd want to go to a shoe store and be like, Hey, you have to buy this pair of shoes. Like, you get three options. The government picked these Nike vans or Converse. You know, those very popular shoes, but those are the only shoes. Like I would, that would suck. I'd love to be, oh, okay, let me see. I've got some Kobe's over here, some LeBron, some Michael some Michael Jordans. Like, I want to be able to see, hey, those, man, those eights over there, those Oreos, those look like a good pair of shoes. I want to buy those. But when, like, socialism comes into place, you don't get that option anymore. The government says, hey, you bought a, you got to buy these Chucks or these Vans, and they're going to be 150 apiece. How do you like that? So, and it all goes to the, the betterment of equality and fairness that people want. And, and ideology is like, wow, everybody's equal and fair, but it's ultimately not fair. Everybody's equally miserable. So, and I like what you were saying. You're saying, yeah, the Democrats, like people like in the media and stuff, these Democrat activists want to see the country back open. Of course, like there's probably some underlying, man, if we keep this in, we could destroy Donald Trump. But I like to, I like to say is we got this quarter right here. So we got heads and tails on it. I flip it. So Donald Trump's heads and Democrats are tails. I'm going to flip this coin. I'm going to flip it. Oh man. So Donald Trump heads. Oh no, no, it's tails. That's, that's the media. Any, it's the flip of a coin. Like Donald Trump, doesn't matter whatever he believes, they're going to say the opposite. It's like a coin. It's like, yeah, uh, no, no, that's not heads, that's tails. And it's like, no, that's, oh, wow, there's Washington's head on there. No, no, 
It's tales. Yeah. If you hear it enough, it's truth. And I think that's what we saw with Hillary Clinton and the email scandals and all this. So let's get America back open again. Let's get back to business. Let's get back to the greatness that America is. Hardworking people that just make a living. And this is the one thing I've been sad about is saying is, Americans just want to see the country back open again. People that have spent life savings to open businesses again. Let's get America back up on their feet and let's come back better than ever. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So we are going into a closing segment now. I know we're a little over time today. I know this has been one of those things. I want to make sure to get to these questions. So we had some questions from the audience. So the first one is, what is the history of the task force? And so I'd like to get... So a lot of people don't know, Obama had implemented something like this prior. They had the task force uh, for overseeing different things such as sexual assault, obesity, different things like this. But actually originates from uh, the Navy, and it's pretty much a unit or a formation that's established to work to do a single defined task or duty. So they're put together, like we've seen with the coronavirus task force, the ability to come together, hey, we got doctors, we got scientists, we got people on the staff that are going to be able to tackle the issue and I think that is the origin start there. And now it's used as like a terminology, especially, but it's, it's come part of the NATO terminology. And I think it's just interesting. I thought that was a really good question because wow, like, wow, we have a task force to tackle the issue. So I think it's interesting. Um, Chandler, do you want to take the next question? So what was the fire Fashi all about? What was that tweet retweet all of that about? Yeah, so um, this is referring to um, something that Trump retweeted. Um, and so, you know, th this is a quote from, uh, from President Trump. Today I walk in, I hear I'm going to fire him. I'm not firing him. I think he's a wonderful guy. Um, and so Trump retweeted something. And I think Trump does this. He'll, he'll read like the first part of a tweet um, and then he'll like what it says and then he'll retweet it without finishing uh, reading it. This happens occasionally. I, I think there was a, another time in the past where he retweeted something that was like anti-Trump and, you know, that created a little bit of a stir. Um, and so anyways, uh, there was, uh, you know, the, the tweet that he retweeted had a call to uh, fire uh, Dr. Fauci, who's uh, been like the leading uh, epidemiologist on the White House uh, task force. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. It, it's one of those things that's just a, a giant mix-up um, that the media is going to jump on every last opportunity that they have um, to to spin something against Trump. Uh, I know uh, following that, Dr. Fauci uh, got up and, and did a press conference and said, like, um, you know, that there's good relations between him and, and Trump and uh, that he has, like, no concern about, like, the status of his job and that they're focused on fighting the virus. And I don't know. I, I think it's a, overall a ridiculous situation. It's um, it's there's no serious concern, in my opinion, at least that uh, that Dr. Fauci is in any danger of being fired. He's been doing a good job, um, and him and Trump are getting along really well. And I think he's advised Trump uh, very well. Exactly. I know people. He's like, hey, they're all. Let me know. The media was like, are you doing this voluntarily, or are they forcing you to do this? So it's like. No, I'm doing this myself. It's like, it just shows you that the media is just out there to manipulate people. It's not even the media. Journalism, at least for the, is dead, at least in the mainstream media. It's like, hey, we're, we got an agenda. We're going to push it, push it, push it. We're going to get Donald Trump out of office. That's the only goal in this whole thing. And it's, it's kind of crazy because it's like, wow, 
and it's selfish because people are dying, and this is all they care about. We saw it with the Russian uh, collusion hoax. We saw it with the impeachment hearings. We saw it with Brett Kavanaugh. They try to spin it on him, and now let's let's even quick mention of that is Joe Biden now has seven women coming out calling sexual assault, but you don't see a single word in the media about that. That is atrocious, and that is something that needs to be talked about. But our media, nah, we're not going to talk about it. There's so many different stories that are just COVID's the number one story. Nobody here wants to hear about anything else, but it's like that doesn't mean we don't keep our politicians and, and stuff accountable because it's like we can't let these people just like, hey, they're above the law. They can do what they want. So I just think it's interesting that's like you haven't heard a single word about that, but Joe Biden's supposed to be our next candidate, and he's over here on news conference interviews and stuff forgetting what he's actually saying. So it's just I just like, oh, man. So I know it's just, it's interesting. So our last question before we finish up is about Trump firing people in his cabinet and other positions in the White House. Is this different than any other presidents? And we have a few of the notable people that, that he's had in here, Michael Flynn, David Petraeus, uh, Stanley McChrystal, and some others that have been, he had the quickest turnaround of any cabinet. But I think it goes back to show, like, compared to Obama, Obama had some people that he fired, too. And uh, let's see. Oh, no, those were under Obama, so I know those are a little mixed up. But pretty much there's a list online that you could show of all the people that Trump's fired. It's a, it's a long list compared to other presidents, of course. But I think when you look at it, we've never had a president like Donald Trump. you got to remember, too, that Donald Trump got famous on uh, The Apprentice and Celebrity Apprentice saying, you're fired. So, you know, it's no surprise that he's fired a decent amount of people. Exactly. And looking at, like, the statistics, we have a graph here for our YouTube viewers. Put it up there. And it shows overwhelmingly that Trump, 34%, the senior staff turnover first year in office, is even above Reagan. Reagan had a quite a big number, too, and it was at 17%. But compared to Obama and Bush and Clinton, they were, like, 11 9%, 6%, just not as a big— but I think it goes to show you that when Trump said he was going to drain the swamp, he was going to drain the swamp. And if you're not there to like preserve the best interests of America and be able to do this, I think he just gets rid of you. And I think the most notable one as of lately has been the uh, was it the Michael Michael um, what was it? He was the guy that came out. He was the Ukraine call. Where is it at in the show notes? Let's see. Um, yeah. So he comes out. I think it was Michael Atkinson. He comes out. Yeah. Is that the right name? That looks right. That's what you have there in the notes. So, yeah. So he was on the Ukraine call and all this different things that Trump was colluding with other countries and was probably, and he pretty much got rid of him this week about the whole impeachment thing. And that was a whole sham. That was just another attempt. They've tried everything to take down President Trump, and yet his approval rating is still going up. So it just goes to show you that. Trump is officially firing people, and I think at a better rate, or a higher rate to say not a better rate, but a higher rate than other presidents because, like you said, you're fired. Like, he doesn't care. Like, if you're not doing your job, you're going to be fired. And I think that's a good lesson for a lot of these people that are trying to push an agenda. And Trump is draining the swamp. He wants to come in. He wants to appoint people that are going to uphold the Constitution and do what's right for the American people. So I think it's, it is interesting to look at the numbers that Trump has fired other people. I know Michael Flynn, when he resigned and he was out with the whole thing, and, and it was about, oh, that he leaked information, and the Democrats made sure to slam him because, wow, he was the Trump administration and all this stuff. And, 
and and Trump's even talked about pardoning him like a month ago or so, just because it's like, man, they really they go out for headhunting when you're a Demo when you're not a Democrat, they're gonna come at you as hard as they can. So those were our questions that we had. I thought those were really solid questions, just stuff that we don't usually look at. Oh yeah, how many people has Trump fired or fire Fauci? Like, whoa, it's a big up, uh, like a lot of noise on Twitter. So it's just like, wow, like let's get some good questions. I love to get questions. Mattchan at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us, DM us on Twitter, Facebook, any of the social media platforms. You see where the podcast is posted. Throw up the questions on YouTube. We'd love to get to them. Sometimes we can't get to all of them just because, hey, we got a lot of questions that are coming in and different things like that. We have to, of course, filter the show, of course, and we see that there's a lot of uh, time that we've used today on this show. So I think our longest episode we've had, but I think just it was a good week. We had a lot of good news going this week. So Chandler, any thoughts on all that? I know there's a lot of people that Trump fired. I don't know if you had any closing thoughts on that or anything else. Yeah, well, one, one closing thought on the people Trump fired. When you said um, like him really fulfilling his campaign promise to drain the swamp, quote unquote, I think you, you nailed that point really well. Um, and, you know, sometimes I do, uh, I am concerned that like the people that he fires, it's more of a personal matter. You know, somebody who like, offended him or, uh, you know, he thought wasn't doing a, a good job when in reality they might have been. Um, but most of the time, yeah, it is uh, your your deep state, um, you know, over, you know, overly bureaucratic type um, politicians and, and administrators that he uh, is firing. And he's trying to put the best people into those positions. And um, he doesn't always get it right. He's still human. But I think he's done a very good job, um, you know, in terms like the turnover that has been experienced, I think has been mostly good. Uh, it's not been all good. I kind of uh, I've said this before on the show, but like I kind of agree with uh, Ben Shapiro there that, you know, there's good Trump and there's bad Trump and um, good Trump is really good. And bad Trump is really awkward and, and not good for uh, for Republicans and conservatives in America. But um more good than bad, for sure, in, in my opinion. Exactly. So that closes the show today, but don't forget to go to iTunes. We're going to be doing a giveaway, Google Home giveaway. We're probably going to run this for the next three weeks. If you go and drop a review on iTunes, you have a chance to win. All you got to do is drop a review and leave some comments about the show, one thing that you liked about the show and maybe something that you'd like to see more of the show. And those are the requirements. I know some people have already dropped reviews. You've already been entered into the contest, of course. We don't want to leave you out. I think that's a great thing. And you win a Google Home. We're going to run this for three weeks. End of the three weeks, we'll pick a winner, and we'll get some contact information, and we'll send you the Google Home for free, and we'll cover the shipping and everything. So don't, leave, don't forget to leave a review and just hit that beautiful purple subscribe button on iTunes. And on Spotify, it's the following button. It's not as glamorous. I like the purple, the royalty just go and click it and it just help us beat Joe Biden's podcast. The guy that can't even have a sentence said completely like, come on, like let's beat Joe Biden's numbers. He has a podcast now. He wants to jump into the game. I don't think we should let this happen. We got to beat those numbers and we're just going to continue to keep bringing you quality content each and every week. And we can't do it without you. So follow on YouTube, follow on anywhere that you listen to the podcast and we are going to continue bringing you great content and doing what we believe is right. So, Chandler, any thoughts, man? Nope, that was great. Until next time, this is the Matt and Chan Show.